Please turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. We are beginning a, beginning a series that I've called, for lack of a better title, Building God's Kingdom. And uh, this is, in this first lesson, I want to look at what the church looked like, and I put the church in quotes, okay? In the book of Acts, before we go on to look at what the heart behind the church was, and what the most effective way to build God's church is. All right. In Acts chapter 2, uh, especially all the Pentecostals and Charismatics know Acts chapter 2 by heart probably, um, following the day of Pentecost, when everyone in the upper room was filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke with other tongues, it goes in to say that the Apostle Peter stood up with the eleven, that's in Acts 2.14, and preached Christ to the multitude, and 3,000 people were saved. That's in Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. And following this incredible event, it goes in to say in Acts chapter 2 and verses 42 through 47, it says, And they continued steadfastly in the Apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Verse 43, then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Verse 44, now all who believed were together and had all things in common. Verse 45, and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. Verse 46, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Now there's a, there's a great deal in there. And so I want to go back over those verses and have a look at some things there. And I want to point out a couple of things that are mentioned there that I feel like are important that we take note of. All right. So first of all, I want you to notice, first thing is 3,000 people got saved. That's a lot of people. I, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, in today's Christian world, there's a lot of talk about house churches, home fellowships, and so on and so forth, as being probably the primary way to go. But as I look at this, and, you know, we want to be biblical, amen? As I look at this, I find that it would be very difficult to have 3,000 people in a house, can, can somebody agree with me on this one? <laughs> okay? I mean, I don't know how big your house is, but mine can't do that. 3,000 is a lot of people. And besides that, I want you to notice something here. In verse 46, uh, 46 it says, So continuing daily with one accord in the temple. Okay? The, the temple could fit 3,000 people. So obviously there was nothing wrong with a big church. Oh, you all need to follow me with this, okay? <laughs> all right? oh, we want to talk about everything. We will cover everything, all right? But I want you to notice that that is important because one of the things that, you know, um, having a lot of people does is it brings an anointing. There is a sense of the presence of God, and it's, you know, a little bit easier when there is the spirit of faith present. Are you all with me? You know, and so it just helps with the flow helps with the anointing, helps with the presence of God in the place. And um, it is a very powerful thing. 
But I want you, and I want you to see something here. It says, first of all, in verse, back to verse 42, it says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. The way that they could do that, one of the things that I realized, you know, at the beginning of this ministry, and somebody uh, taught this to me, uh, which was fantastic advice. He's, you know, somebody said to me, when you have the people in front of you on Sunday, he said, if you give them meat... Okay, you're not throwing just, you know, little bits of dessert out or whatever. If you feed them properly, they probably won't need much from you during the week. But if you neglect them on Sunday, then they're going to go hungry and they're not going to know how to deal with all the problems through the week and you'll be getting phone calls all through the week. <laughs> hey, come on, you know. And, you know, he said, and this individual said, you know, this is the time that everybody's sitting there waiting to hear something. You can counsel all of them at once. You know, I could, <laughs> you know, well, let's see what, there's 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 people here. Okay. And just imagine me spending, you know, uh, 22 lots of 40 minutes through the week as opposed to one lot of 40 minutes, and I get 20 of you all at once. Are you all with me? You know, that's smart maths, you know, <laughs> okay? And so I learned from that. So I thought if I put my head down and I study through the week and I bring something to you that feeds you, that fills you up, that grows you up, then you will take on the battle through the week. Because you'll have the word of God and you'll have the, 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 you know, the spirit and whatever else that you need to see it all through. Amen. You know, something very important is, uh, <laughs> I was mentioning this to Pastor Verity as well. You know, unlike natural babies who will grow up as long as you feed them. And you know, you got to feed babies. Have you noticed? And they're demanding, you know, <laughs> and it's just like they will yell and let you know they're hungry and they won't shut up until you feed them. Hello. And, you know, that's the only way they can grow. Spiritual babies are the same thing. Only problem with spiritual babies is they can stay babies for 40 years. If you, you know, if you don't feed them, they'll remain babies. And then you have a whole church full of little babies running around with nappies. And most of the churches are like that because they don't teach the word. They just give them a light snack every Sunday. And then they, and then they wonder how come things are falling apart. Every time pastors complain about their church, I, I say, Stick, you know, put a mirror in front of you. There's the problem. <laughs> if you're not doing your job, then don't blame them for not, you know, okay? Reacting the way you think they should because they have nothing to go on. Amen. Now, one thing I know that so many of you, because you've been in this church, have grown up. I pray. And, <laughs> okay, and I know many of you have expressed interest to do something more with your life. Here's your opportunity. Because one thing that can happen is that if I just keep feeding you and don't allow you some way to express all of that, an outlet, then you're just going to become spiritually uh, 
Can I use the word of spiritual glutton? Yes, okay, <laughs> all right. You know, and, and that's what a lot of word of faith people ended up being. And I love the word of faith. I'm from word of faith, okay? That we just got so many messages and we wanted another one. And where's another one? And where's another one? And we didn't know what to do with the thing. So I'm going to teach you what to do with the thing. Hallelujah. There's nothing quite like sharing your faith and bringing God, not religion, but God into somebody's life. And then watch God do his miracles and do something extraordinary with the individual. Boy, that's exciting. And, you know, if you're not seeing that, the excitement isn't there. And then you begin to look at all the things you've learned in a different light as well. Because when they start growing up, they want to know, what do I do about this? And you suddenly realize how much you know. You won't be complaining, I want another message. You'll get the revelation of this as we move forward, okay? <laughs> I want you to notice here that it says, there's so many things in these verses. I need to be careful that I don't spend too much time uh, teaching on this because uh, I want to share some things that are relevant to where we're going. But I want you to notice here something very important. In verse 42, there are two things that are mentioned here that are different. They have this, uh, similar wording, but they're actually different. In verse 42, notice it says, and they, that's the 3,000, okay, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, which would have been church services, and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. The breaking of bread in that verse probably is talking about communion. Okay, however, however, when we get to verse 46, it's something else. When it says, so they continue daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. Now, I used to think that, and people used to preach that, oh, you know, that they were having communion at home. But please read on. It says they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Do you know what was happening here? They were fellowshipping in the homes. You know, there's something about eating. Have you all noticed? As soon as you put food out, everybody turns up. <laughs> you say there's a free meal, they will come, baby. I mean, they'll come out of the woodwork. You're like, who are you? you know? <laughs> okay. Somebody said that was food. <laughs> okay. But then that's, you know, this, this is important. If there's something about that. You know, remember in the, on the road to Emmaus? Remember those two guys, those two people, and they're talking about what all happened, and Jesus joins them, and they have no idea, and then he begins to share with them, and it says, didn't our hearts burn within us, okay? And so, but, you know, when they, when he, he said he was going to go on, they said, no, 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 come and have something to eat with us, and when they sat down to eat, that's when their eyes were open and thought, oh, it's Jesus. Things happen when you eat. <laughs> okay. there, is, there is all joking aside there is something relaxing something that all, our defenses tend to go down when we're sharing a meal with someone amen and so you know while in say a bible study or something you might kind of want to hold back because somebody's talking and you're kind of listening and whatever when you sit down when you eat when you're relaxing that's when you start talking to people. That's when you sh start sharing things about yourself. That's when we can start praying for you and helping you. Are you all with me? And so this is what they're talking about here. There was this fellowship that was going on in the home. 
And so the Lord talked to me and said, there is what you need to call this. There is going to be one thing that we're going to be doing, and that is home fellowships. Okay? They're home fellowships. There's a warmth about a home. And so we see from this that that occurred. But there also, I want you to notice that there were public meetings. I'll, I'll give you scripture on all of this, okay? Where they, you know, there was, uh, you know, when you get to Acts 4.4, 4, we're going to find another 5,000 get saved. Man, I don't know how many women came with that. So we know the church at Jerusalem was at least about 8,000 plus. That's a big church. So, and they needed the temple. So, you know, we need to understand that there is a place. That was their mega church, by the way. You know, everybody gets upset about mega churches. Well, they had one back then. If we want to be biblical, let's be biblical. Can we get amen? It is important that we have that as well. There are reasons for everything in the Bible. And we can't favor one over the other. How about we do it all? Amen. Okay, all right, let's move on. So, <clears throat> let me go through my notes quickly. <laughs> uh, let, let me just read my notes, all right? So, uh, uh, 3,000 new believers did two things that are of special interest to us. And that is, firstly, they continued daily with one accord in the temple, which was, the, which was a space that was big enough to handle all of them. All right? And the other thing, uh, and, and, you know, the apostles' doctrine and so on. And the second was in verse 46, that they broke bread from house to house and ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, indicating that they shared meals and enjoyed fellowship with, with other believers in their homes. That's so very important. We really need to open our houses, open our homes in, in the coming weeks and months as we move forward. This is the only way. See, one of the things that used to really irk me, all right, as, okay, here's what irked me. Okay, <laughs> you know, they said, what cheeses you off? Did you remember in the old days? Okay, never mind. Okay, that's really dating me now. Uh, but, but, you know, the, one of the things that I used to always have issue with was, uh, you know, witnessing the people on the street and door knocking and all that, because I don't want people to do that to me. No, seriously. You know, I just say, go away, shoo. And people used to try to, I, I remember I was going to uni at one, at one stage and somebody came up to me and just obnoxious, you know, and they're witnessing and you want to slap them. And I was already a Christian and I want to slap this person because they're just so rude in the way they come across. They're so pushy. It's almost like another notch in their belt. If they can get one of these, you know, get one saved. You know what I'm trying to say? Let's convert one if we can. It just bothered me that. And I just thought, I can't do that. That's not right. There's something wrong with that. And so we're not going to do that. Everybody go, hallelujah. <laughs> okay? No, because that's not the way this works. You might get somebody saved. What happens after that? Where do they grow up? Who's going to help them to grow up? Amen. And it's, that's a very bad thing to do because people like that, then they will turn against Christianity because they'll get hurt and all sorts of things will happen and then they'll become a bad witness and you're walking around saying, well, I got 20 saved this week and 19 of them backslid. Congratulations. No, that's not how this works. This shows us what we need to do. We are going to, I will give you detailed instructions about how this is going to work. 
you're going to learn about a, a, a word in the Greek called oikios or something. I don't know. I can't pronounce it. I'll spell it to you when I get to it. Okay? It talks about relationships. It talks about family. It talks about friendships. It talks about your circle and all those people within that circle and how you are to minister to them in a way that is friendly, that is warm, that is caring, and you're not looking for a notch in your belt. You're just looking to connect them with God. Because you know what He's done in your life, and you want to share that with others, and allow Him access to their life so He can do the same. Amen? And you know something that people who know people, that's the best place to minister from, because they trust family. And they know that you, you know, okay, if you're a good family, okay, <laughs> that they'll know whatever you're doing, whatever you're saying is for their own good because you love them. And if you've learned something and you've got something in your life that is blessing you, then you want them to have that too. Parents and, and you know, family members like to do that. And that's where the evangelism comes in. See, evangelism has become a dirty word. Well, it was to me for a long time, <laughs> okay? Because it always implied manipulation and, you know, just sort of this kind of get out there and kind of slap people with the Bible and all that sort of stuff. And I just don't want to do that. I never wanted to. And I know now why, because that's not God's way. If you have a gift of some description that allows you to minister in that way, well, hallelujah and praise the Lord. Make sure you get them situated in a church, please. Don't just get him saved. But don't go and tell other people to do something that you are gifted to do. Do you hear what I said? I see that so much. And it's, it, it puts you in a place where you, you, you guilt people into doing stuff. And then they don't do it well. Then they think they're suffering for Jesus because they did so badly. And somebody slapped them. <laughs> you, know? you know what I'm trying to say? And it just goes around in a circle. And we have a messed up body. And we, we don't want that. Okay. <clears throat> so just in these verses, I want you to see again that believers not only met in a building called the temple, but also fellowshiped in homes in a more casual setting. All right? That again, that we're going to refer to as home fellowships. Now, as we read on into Acts chapter 3, we find that these believers also had corporate prayer in the temple. And that's in Acts chapter 3, verse 1. It says, now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. So notice again that they went to not a home, but a temple. There was corporate prayer. So again, there was this space that they went to that they could all pray together. This is something important as well. Amen? And we know this was in the home because it goes and says in verse 2, And a certain man, uh, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful. I mean, the gate was so big it had a name. Does your gate have a name? Mine doesn't. <laughs> okay. All right. This gate was actually called Beautiful. All right. Because it was so big. Reading on to verse 3, it says, Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, notice the temple again, Asked for arms, verse 4, and fixing his eyes on him. I wanted to add this story because, you know, I need to give you something today. All right. So he says, and fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. 
So he, that is this lame man, gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Verse 6, then Peter said, silver and gold. Now we all know this one. I know my dad knows this one. Okay, so <laughs> silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Hallelujah. I have nothing to give. Oh, yes, you do. <laughs> you know, we are meant to be sharing our faith. We're meant to be out there being the solution to people's problems, not giving them more problems. Amen. Amen. And I want you to notice, he said, look, I don't have money like you may want. I'll give you something better. Rather than give you money for a day, I will heal you so that you can go make your own money. Amen. Amen. I mean, this, all this guy was qualified to do up to that point is beg. Now he got his legs back. He's mobile, okay, <laughs> right? <laughs> and verse 7, he says, And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet, ankle, and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them. Oh, he went to the service that day. All this time, he's outside the gate, <laughs> hoping to get something for, you know, from people who were going to the service. Today, he's in the service. And he's going to be dancing and leaping and having a great time. How do you know that? Well, let's read on. It says, walking, leaping, and praising God. Hallelujah. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they, notice there's a group here, knew that it was he who sat begging arms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they, these 3,000 converts, were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Isn't that beautiful? Not only did they get saved, but they saw the power that was behind the Lord whom they had received into their life. This was something real. This wasn't religion. This was something real. And they had him on the inside of them. Oh, I bet they were happy that day. You know, when somebody receives something like this, it ministers to all of us. Amen. We get to understand and get a glimpse into whose we are. Amen? Hallelujah. So this was the church at Jerusalem, by the way, the largest and most prominent church at the time, totaling over 8,000 Christians at one time, uh, 3,000 from Acts 2.41, and again, as I mentioned before, 5,000 that came from Acts 4 and verse 4. I could look at those verses, but I don't want it today. With James, the half-brother of Jesus, uh, going on to lead them, okay, in time. And then he's the one that wrote the book of James, which we were studying just before this. Now added to this, almost all the Apostle Paul's letters were addressed to churches that met in large groups, especially the one at Corinth. We all know Corinth, right? <laughs> okay. And what the Apostle Paul uh, had to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 23, therefore the whole church, if the whole church, he didn't say the whole home group or the, home home, the whole home fellowship. Notice he says, Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you are out of your mind? You're crazy. Okay, because, you know, when you have a huge group like that and they're going off talking in some language, and everybody kind of goes, what's going on here? It can be a little overwhelming. Can I get a little amen on that? You know, they come in thinking you're crazy. Now they know you're crazy. Hello, <laughs> okay? And Paul is a very smart man. 
You know, people use certain scriptures to say, well, we shouldn't be talking in tongues. No, he said, don't do it when people don't know what the heck you're doing. Because he said, I speak in tongues more than you all, talking to the Corinthian church. So he was, you know, he was very fluent in, in tongues, but you know, he wasn't stupid. You know, if, if you're in front of somebody that doesn't know what that is, you, wanna, you have the urge to speak in tongues, don't. Or keep it really quiet. Whisper it so that they can't hear. Turn away, do something, please. Okay? <laughs> Others, they're calling us. Anyway, it's important that we see that he talks about the whole church. He's talking about a big group of believers. All right? And that's why, again, in uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, same chapter and verse 40, he says, let all things be done decently and in order. You only need decently and in order when you have a big group. If there's five people, it ain't such a big deal. Amen. All right, let's move on. So now that we understand that the New Testament supports large gatherings in buildings and also home fellowships, let's go and look at another type of church that was just as important as the temple gatherings, and that's house churches. The most prominent reference of this is found in the book of Romans. So turn to Romans chapter 16. We're good. We're going good. Thank you. Romans chapter 16. And I want to read from verses 3 through 5. I told you I'll give you scripture for everything that we're going to do. Amen? Romans chapter 16. I want to begin reading in verse 3. It says, Great Priscilla, that's a lady, and Aquila, that's a man, all right, husband and wife, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. I want to make a little statement here and a comment here. Notice he mentioned Priscilla before Aquila. It seems like she took the lead in ministry. This is the Apostle Paul. Everything is written in the Bible with purpose. If somebody is in front of somebody else, there's a reason for that. Normally they put the man ahead of the woman. This is unusual. So please understand the Apostle Paul did not have a problem with women preachers. Only people today preaching about what he said have problem with women preachers. He didn't. Moving on. All right. So he says, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ. Notice my fellow workers. Means he saw her and him as fellow workers with him in Christ. Verse four, uh, four, this is not what we're talking about today. Verse 4. Who, <laughs> who risked their own necks for my life. I'm reading from the New King James. Uh, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Verse 5, here it is. He says, likewise, greet the church that is in their house. The New Living Translation puts it this way. The church that meets in their home. Where well, we got one of those now. Here it is. <laughs> okay? <laughs> and we need to understand something. That it is only religious mentality that says you have to have a special building, some holy building, and some holy pulpit to have a church in. Do you know what the church is? You. The church is the called out ones. You are the church. This is the building that the church gets into, but we do call this the church because that's how we refer to it as well. That's where the, the confusion comes in a little bit. So we have church in the church. 
okay? <laughs> we have us, the church, in what we call the church. But we need to understand that the church really is you. The Apostle Paul says to the Corinthians, don't you understand that you are, you are the temples of the Holy Ghost? So the temples meet in a temple. Amen. And the temples can meet in a house and the temples can have a little home fellowship. They're still temples. It doesn't make you any less of a temple because you are somewhere else. And it amazes me how religious people, they're like, oh, you're having church in the house. I don't know what that is like. You know, isn't it interesting that, the, that John the Baptist, remember him? He didn't preach in the temple. He walked off the temple. Went out in the wilderness. He said he had church out there in the sticks. There was no building. There was no children's ministry. <laughs> I don't know, maybe he did that. But you know, I mean, he was out there. They were going to him in droves. That was church. Are you all getting this? We really need to de-religionize all of this. And allow the Spirit of God to enter and to do whatever He wants, wherever He wants. Amen? Hallelujah. So we see here very clearly that having a house church is not a problem. And it was something that was in the New Testament. In fact, in Acts chapter 28, verses 30 and 31, the Apostle Paul used his own home as a house church. With it saying there in Acts 28.30, Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him. Watch what he do in the house. Verse 31. Preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. It's his house. He can do what he wants. <laughs> Amen. So I want you to notice that even the apostle Paul used his house as a church. He preached. He taught. Amen. <clears throat> so we see that there's a definite place for church in both homes and buildings. With the Apostle Paul saying in Acts chapter 20, I really love this verse, verses 20 and 21. He says, how I kept nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you. Can, can I say that that's preaching? Okay. And then on top of that preaching, he says, and taught you publicly and from house to house. So he not only taught publicly, but he taught from house to house. So he just went wherever there was an audience. You call this church? I'll preach there. Oh, you call this a home group? I'll preach there. <laughs> you know, The dude was a preaching dude. He had something to say. He was excited about what he had found. He's the one that said, you know, behold, we're now new creations. That all the old things have passed away. Why was that important to him? Because he was responsible for killing Stephen. Can you imagine how that would have hit him once he became a Christian? And he realized, and you know people would have been talking about him. Would have been talking about Stephen and saying how incredible he was. All the miracles that he did. All the people that received from him. And that God forgave him for that. That he was brand new. All the old things had passed away. And everything had become new. And he could live a new life in God. Amen? I think that's beautiful. All right. <clears throat> and he says in verse 21, Testifying to, to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. 
I want you to notice what, what he preached. Repentance towards God and faith. Repentance and faith. You need both. Amen? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So it is then no surprise that in Acts chapter 5, the apostles themselves did the same. With verses 41 and 42 saying, the apostles, this is our last scripture, okay? The apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Jesus, verse 42, and daily, this is in the New King James now, and daily in the temple and in every house. In the temple and in every house, what they do? They did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Hallelujah. Is that enough scriptures for you guys? Are we, are we good? <laughs> okay, all right. So what, what is, what's all this for? Well, the reason we looked at all of this is because we're going to be looking at three different areas of ministry. We're going to be looking at public gatherings. And yes, we'll get out of the house. That's coming. But something else has to happen first. All right. We will look at house churches. So not just church, church, okay, but house churches and also home fellowships. Everything will start as a home fellowship. That's the beginning. All right, and that will happen when you're ready. When we know you're ready. When you think and we think you're ready. Okay. Because <laughs> you know that the last thing we want to do is get you starting something and you crash and burn. Amen? Neither do we want you procrastinating when we know you can do it. You know, and some people are never ready. Uh, but I don't know the secret of the universe yet. And the number that it represents. <laughs> you know, whatever, okay? Dude, you don't need to know all that stuff. There is, we'll know, we'll know, we'll know. And so, this is how we're going to reach out. There are people that you know that we'll never see. But you see them. And you'll be able to minister to them. And we will give you the material. In fact, what, will we do, what we'll be doing, mouth, work. What we will be doing is, first of all, I'll be teaching you the material that you're going to teach them. So that I lay this foundation. And what I'd like you to do, you can start, but then you'll continue coming to church, getting the next level and the next level. So that by the end, you will have all the information that you need. Are you all here? So you'll have what you need to minister and you'll understand what it is that you need to minister to begin with and share with your family and friends. And then watch the miracles happen. Remember, this isn't religion. This is real. Some incredible things will begin to happen. And you can come and share that with us. And one of the things that I was looking at, and I'm praying over this now, you might say, how does home fellowship, house churches, and, you know, normal church differ? Well, the only, the, the, besides the size between the house church and the, okay, building church, it, you know, that's basically the difference, all right? But as far as the home fellowships go, the only offer, you'll only take up offerings. And what I want to do is encourage, and this is from the Bible, that we have found that the tithes were never used to buy church buildings. Only the offerings. So we're going to allow the home groups to take up an offering for the church building. 
That's going to be a part that everybody is going to play in getting a, a house for them, so to speak, to go worship. And it's a place where everybody will come and worship. Everybody will get to share that building. Did you hear what I just said? Nobody gets, you know, uh, claim on the thing solely. Everybody gets to share it. You might have to schedule yourself in, but you'll get to share the thing. And it won't be all the same day of the week. If you want a Sunday or whatever, so be it. Uh, just not right now, this time, okay? Just a little bit later. But, <laughs> yeah, no, you got to give me that at least, okay? <laughs> but that, that's the only thing that we, will be, that we will be doing, and that's totally optional. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. It's cool. That's not a problem. You know, we're believing God to meet all of our need. He has done up to this point and he will continue to do so. We just want you to get in on the blessing. Now, a house church, how is a house church different? Well, a house church, well, like this. There will be praise and worship. There will be ministry. There will be tithes and offerings and everything else. For those who decide they want to um, progress from a home fellowship to a house church, we will insist that you keep all your tithes and offerings. Because whoever is now running that needs to be looked after. So we don't want anything. You may decide you want to tithe a 10% out of that into this ministry, but that's up to you. We won't ask you. We won't, you know, that's, a, that's, that's as much as we'd ever say if you want to do something. But where you give your tithe is totally up to you. You can give me the raspberry and go, I'm sending it somewhere else. You know, I like that person better. <laughs> and that will be fine. But one thing we will not do is lose our relationship. We need to stay in touch. And one of the things that I was praying about, and, you know, I said, God, you know, as time goes on, God sort of showed me a picture, and this is in the future, that, there, there, you know, as we have a building and so on and so forth, there may be times when all the churches come together. And we have kind of a little convention or something, and all the senior ministers get up and minister, and all the congregations get to meet, meet each other, so that the unity is still there, that we don't lose ourselves in the crowd. Amen? So that's, I'm done, I'm, I've run out of time. That's the vision. That's where we're going to go to next. And I, I pray that you are excited about this. Like I said, don't be nervous about anything. I will give you all the material that you need. I will minister messages that will just build you up. I'm beginning to realize why some of us might be struggling with our life right now. Because there's a foundation that needs to be laid, that needs to be built upon. And if that foundation has eroded, it needs to be redone. So we're just going to start at the beginning, and you're all going to enjoy all the messages, and you're going to be hoorahing and everything else, which, is what, which will, is what will build your faith and cause you to become more than a conqueror. We will do it on purpose. Amen? Okay. I'm going to leave it there. I pray that this is ministered to you. And again, everything that we do will be from here. The rightly divided word, by the way. Because people have taken this and wrongly divided it all over the place. And I pray that you will begin to pray and ask God what he wants you to do with your life as the weeks and the months progress. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, I'm sorry this was a hurrah kind of message. I warned you. I warned you. Okay. <laughs> all right? But this is vision. This is the beginning of something I believe that God wanted for full life from the very beginning. And now he's given us 
all the pieces so we can move forward and do it his way. That's why I've called this building God's kingdom. And I wanted to put underneath it his way. Yeah. Amen? Amen. Let's have a head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for your word. And we thank you, Father, for where you're taking us next. It is very exciting. And I thank you, Father, for your wisdom and your direction, your spirit watching over all of this. And I pray over each and every individual in the sound of my voice that they receive this vision, God. This is what you wanted from the very beginning. Us ministering in a way that pleases you and that blesses people. In a way that is non-threatening, but loving and caring. And Father, I just thank you as we move forward that we keep our ear to you. Keep our eyes on you. And don't get ahead of you. Nor do we want to fall behind. We thank you for all that you've done in our lives. And in time to come, you help us to share that with others effectively. In Jesus' name, amen.